This is a public service announcement. Following my failure to acknowledge Ninja Gaiden as the greatest game of all time in episode 5, co-host Tim Owen flipped over the recording desk and stormed out of the studio. Citing irreconcilable differences, he vowed never to return. Five months on, I'm beginning to think he was serious. Welcome to episode 6 of Playing Catch-Up. I'm Tom Bailey and I'm joined this time by a new co-host, Chris Davies. There's been a huge gap since the last episode, so apologies for that and thanks to any of you who've uh, who've stuck around or have been asking about the show generally. It's, it's hugely appreciated. For any of you who are new to the show, uh, it's quite a simple idea. It's just that in preparation for each episode, we each play through a game uh, each from our, our respective piles of shame as selected by the other person and, and that's about it really. So, Chris, for you, I picked uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons at this time. Um, it's kind of hard to, to pigeonhole, but it, it's essentially a, a kind of puzzle platformer uh, developed by Starbreeze and, and available on PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 and PC. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere, for, for me at least, um, to quite a lot of critical acclaim. Did you did you know much about it going in? Yeah, I did. Well, um, it, it was quite surprising because it's, it's developed by Starbreeze. And I was yeah. quite, as you said, I was just quite surprised by the fact that there's almost no brutal violence in the game at all, <laughs> or at least not the front end. Yeah. Um, just because um, Starbreeze are a fantastic developer. I loved um, Chronicles of Riddick, which yeah. had the most disturbingly detailed um, system of having bullet wounds and injuries in a game that I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. Just lovingly rendered. Um, so for them to do a game about, you know, two young kids who just sort of run around and climb up branches and stuff, um, seemed like a little bit of a departure. Yeah. But isn't it, um, the, the game's based on, they've got a, a Swedish writer and novelist in to do the story for it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of my, my, my thoughts about it were, you know, it, it felt like a story with a kind of game, um, a kind of story in search of a game. I mean, the main thing I sort of thought about was that there's no core game mechanic to it. It's sort of a series of mini-games, which is nothing wrong with that. It's just, um, yeah, as you said, such a massive departure from all the Starbreeze and other stuff mm. that, yeah, it's just a bit of a shock, really. Yeah, I mean, it's it kind of... I, I see where you're coming from completely, because, I, I mean... The, the mechanic of controlling the, the the two brothers for for those who don't know the game it's it kind of starts out as a, a kind of a fairy tale if you like like two brothers on a quest to find a cure for their for their dying father essentially and you control both characters at the same time uh, each on on one stick if I'm remembering correctly on the controller which is is not something I'd come across before I mean did you get on with that all right yeah I mean um it, it does take a certain amount of kind of rewiring of the brain yeah just because I don't know, you sort of left brain and right brain sort of work, you have to work in harmony to play it properly, I think. Yeah. Because you are, if they cross over on the screen, it's just, it's like in the old 16-bit platformers when you got a power-up that reversed your controls because it, it, it just sends you completely, completely haywire. It's a bit of a mind-fuck in places. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, once, once you're used to that, it's, it, it's not too bad. I suppose the thing about it is you never... You're almost never in any real danger. 
Mm. There's there's not many monsters. There's not many things that can actually kill you apart from sort of generally falling off stuff. Yeah. So it kind of just leaves you to just to cope with the mad controls sort of in themselves. I did I did think that it might be quite a good game to play with a kid for about yeah. the first hour or so, and then you know all the brutal violence starts <laughs> up and. Um, and also, I don't know if we're doing spoilers, but um, yeah, I wouldn't want, particularly want to console a kid after sort of he's emotionally invested himself in the game, and you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean perhaps don't go into specifics, but yeah, I, I, I absolutely, yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it it kind of sets up as a fairy tale, but it does get pretty pretty dark towards you know, well, from halfway through really onwards. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole level kind of based around sort of enormous dead bodies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's not too much of a spoiler because it's no, more no. of a mechanical thing. But I mean, yeah, you're sort of trying to wait, make your way over the, the over a battlefield where some giants have been fighting, and you sort of pretty much have to dismember quite a few bodies to mm. to get through. And you know, there's rivers of literal rivers of blood flowing that you have to wade through. So possibly not one for the kids, <laughs> I would say. Yeah, no, I, that, that section in particular is one that's really stayed with me. It's, it's probably probably a good six months or so since I played it, but but yeah, I mean, it, it like you say, it gets ridiculously brutal in places. Mm. I, I mean, you mentioned it, it was almost a collection of kind of mini games. Did you find it quite a slight experience then, or did, did it kind of keep you engaged? Kind of, yeah. I mean, the way I describe it was, you know, those things that um, fairgrounds and you know village fates they have, where you have to put a kind of metal hoop over a wire. Yeah. yeah it's, ca- exactly. it's kind of like a game version of that in the, you're sort of, you know, it, it, or, you know, you know, patting your head and rubbing your tummy at the same time. Mm. The things you're doing are not kind of tricky in themselves. It's just kind of coordinating both hands, yeah. which when I said it just then doesn't actually sound very hard. I mean, that's pretty much what all games do, but yeah. having to sort of, pay attention to two things at the same time and do different things with each hand is, is sort of weirdly, weirdly disorientating. No, absolutely. I mean, as you mentioned earlier on, you know, at times you will have the two characters cross over and it, and you just completely lose it. And, and like you say, it's hard to convey just how tricky those simple mechanics can be at times. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a bit sort of halfway through, I think, where you're climbing the side of a castle or something. And you're one boy's rope to the other. Yeah. And you have to grab on with one and swing with the other and then swap hands. So if you, you know, I'm doing hand gestures here for some reason, even <laughs> though it's not particularly informative. But um, yeah, you, you have to sort of do one sequence of events with one hand and then do it again with the other and not get out of sync. Um, so I suppose it, if it has a central mechanic, that's it. It's kind of... Um, coordination basically yeah but i mean did you find the the storyline enough to kind of keep you coming back then or i mean yeah i think so um i think the actual story as a whole was well it's very episodic which i suppose kind of fits in with the fairy tale aspect Mm. um the actual relationship between the two the two kids was i think where it was most successful yeah just because even though they control in the same way. Um, there's no dialogue. Um, they basically both do the same thing. It, 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 the, it was really successful in the way that it managed to create a personality for each for each character. 
which then given that you're controlling both of them with each hand is you know it's, it's no mean feat yeah absolutely no i agree with you uh, completely on that it's um like I say, it's a while since I played it, and, and it's really hard to put my finger on exactly what it was that I really enjoyed about it. But I, I definitely look back on that game incredibly fondly. Um, and like you, you know, when you try and explain to somebody what what I enjoyed about it so much, it, it's it's hard because when you explain like the, the you know break it down, it doesn't sound like that much of an experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, just saying, you know, I think part of the appeal is just the beautiful landscapes and the kind of the little environmental stories. So you've got the kind of giant battlefield. You've got a bit later on where there's a, a castle that's being attacked and all the people attacking it have been frozen. Yeah. So it's these kind of tableau and images that the game's creating that are really, really quite striking. Um, I mean, possibly that over, overpowers the story just because... I mean, without wanting to go into spoilers too much, there's a what looks like it's going to be a very abrupt dark ending and then turns mm. out not to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm spoiling the hell out of it here. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think like a lot of games, it, it's more successful in kind of creating a world and creating little little bits of, you know, imagery rather than actually telling a, a straight story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, it's relatively, I can't remember exactly how long it is, relatively short. I, I thought it, it got out at the right time, it didn't out, outstay its welcome at all, which which is, you know, again, shouldn't really be something to be that highly praised, but a lot of games don't do that. Well, that's a weird thing, because it's so episodic. I mean, you, you could probably have removed three or four of the little set pieces, mm. but they got the game down to, you know, maybe up about an hour, yeah. and it would probably have the same effect. And I'm not necessarily saying it should have done because it doesn't feel particularly padded or anything. It's just going back to the original point that, you know, it's it's a game without a central mechanic. It is just set pieces and um, not gimmicks. That's not the word I'm looking for. But yeah, um, set pieces would be a good way of describing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to say, you know, it was largely well received by the critics, but I know that some kind of levelled accusations of, of misogyny at it. Is that is that anything that kind of occurred to you as you playing through it? That's really interesting. Yeah, because I, I was I, I was thinking about this before because I thought, well, this would be a good game to. I mean, not that that's something particularly for games to aspire to to show to someone to say, look, not all games are like Grand Theft Auto or you know, Postal Two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, the only female characters in the game are sort of um, the dead perfect mum, um, yeah. a female troll, and um, a woman who tries to kill you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't really thought of it in terms of misogyny, but I think that's probably maybe a bit strong. It certainly uses quite a lot of um, cliched female characters. Yes. So you've yeah. got kind of the crone... The kind of um, the mother, the kind of um, temptress. Yeah, and I, I think you know, it, I mean, for me personally, it's not something that that struck me at all playing through it. It was only after kind of seeing those those kind of comments and thinking back on it, thinking actually, yeah, well, I can kind of see where they're coming from. But but like you, I think it's I think it's strong, and I think some of that, like you mentioned with the crone and what have you, I think can can come under that idea of it being set up as a fairy tale to to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, I can. I, I certainly wouldn't 
kind of wave it away and say there's nothing to it. It's definitely the case, as you say, that there aren't any particularly strong female female characters in this. But then... I think in terms of games and misogyny, I think if you got every game in the world and lined them all up in order of how misogynistic it is, this would be right at the not misogynistic end. Absolutely, yeah. I think if you included films and books in that, it would be probably a bit more towards the misogynistic end, maybe. But I think when you're competing with stuff like, uh, to name a random example off the top of my head, Vanquish, where the only female character is kind of your, you know, your space secretary who answers a space phone, <laughs> wears a short skirt, cries when you die. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, to name a game that yeah. I absolutely love and it's potentially a piss take, but it's still, you know, yeah. not a great female character. So on the whole then, it's it's something you'd recommend if anyone's listening and, and, and thinking about giving it a go, it's it's worth a go? I think so, because it's so short. I mean, I think you'd be hard-pressed not to... Not to get your money's worth out of it. A, because I got it for free, because it's a PlayStation Plus game. So it's absolutely perfect for that. Um, But yeah, I mean, unless you're sort of a diehard Starbreeze fan who, you know, bought it off the back of The Darkness and Chronicles of Riddick and all the other horrendously violent games they've done. I can't imagine you'd be hugely disappointed. Yeah, interestingly, I, I did try and look it up on YouTube to try and jog my memory. Um, of what happens in the game. And there's not yeah. much out there about it. So I, I would hazard a guess it probably didn't do that well. I mean, it's a download-only yeah. game from a, a relatively niche developer anyway. So, it, yeah. which is... And it's not a particularly blockbuster format anyway. But, yeah, I, I, it seems like it didn't do very well, which is a bit of a shame, really. Because I wasn't hugely taken with it. I think it, it sort of calls back to... Stuff like ICO, or yeah, ECO, yeah. however you want to pronounce it, which is possibly the most overrated game ever, if you ask me. Ditto <laughs> Shadow of the Colossus, which I just thought was rubbish. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not just saying that just to, you know, be controversial. Because then rubbish, rubbish is a, a strong bit. I, I just didn't like it. I found it very repetitive and yeah, yeah. a bit twee. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and this is sort of... It takes so much from Ico, even the way that they control and the you know the benches that they sit on is clearly yes. kind of a, an overt reference to Ico. Which was, I think I preferred it to Ico just because it it, it it just you know went in there, told its story, um, and got out without without too much filler. Whereas I think Ico was a lot of wandering around, climbing up chains, fighting those ridiculous smoke things with a stick. It's just oh, don't get me started. I uh, see. I I really liked Tycho. I'm one of the one of the idiots who liked it. But <laughs> I, I would I, I would agree with you that um, the 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 combat in that game was completely unnecessary. Yeah, uh, I could have done without that and had a shorter game and just made it all about the exploration. Uh, exploration, but but no, I I I really enjoyed both that and Shadow of the Colossus. So um, well, that's the thing. I mean, I think if if Brothers was a kind of forty quid boxed game. I think they would have been more tempted to, to pad it out a bit. Yeah, absolutely. If it's a download-only game, you're selling for you know ten quid or however much it is. You can sort of get away with making it however long it was, four hours, if that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a fair point. And um, yeah, in terms of how well it how well it did, I don't know. Obviously, you know, you mentioned it being on PS Plus, which is is going to get it out to to a wider audience than it, it probably would have done otherwise. And be, you know, being available on PC, it's. You know, I think I picked it up on PC for 
that two quid in one of the ridiculous Steam sales. So you would hope you would hope it got out there enough to to make you know studios like Starbreeze think that it's not a waste of time to try something different. Mm. Um, With well, the thing, I mean, to be honest, it being on PS Plus is probably not encouraged that many people to play it just because of the kind of shit. The, the PS Plus is like an avalanche of games that kind of yes a tsunami yes. of you know games that kind of rears up and washes over me every month. So I'd be very surprised if... Well, I'd be very surprised. I'm thinking you might have got lost in the kind of PS Plus rush. I don't know know what was on it the same month, is it? Probably like Batman Arkham City or something equally blockbuster-ish. So no one one would have played it. Yeah, no, I see your point. Yeah, I'm not sure what what came out the same month. Um, Yeah, I mean, you often do hear complaints about too many indie games on there, so you might well have a point about that. Um, You know, it kind of getting lost in there, but... I was going to say, I would hope if, if anyone is listening to this who who has got it on PS Plus and has previously ignored it for that reason, I would definitely say go and give it a go. Like you say, it's you know it's three or four hours at most, and it is, it is something a little bit different. So absolutely okay. Um, let's move on then. You you picked Outlast for me. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about about why you selected that game? Yeah, go on then. I mean, I, I chose it just because it's a pretty short, um, pretty intense indie game, kind of along the same lines as Brothers. Um, yeah. purely in terms of, you know, being an indie game, being short, I think pretty much everything else about it is has nothing to do whatsoever with Brothers. But um, mm-hmm. I thought it would be a good choice just because it, it it's a game that kind of divides opinion to a certain extent. Yeah. Although mainly not in terms of people thinking it's good or bad, more in terms of people saying it's either too scary to play or it's slightly, it's nearly too scary to play. So I thought, yeah, and yeah, I, I think also yeah. you said that you know you were too terrified to play it. So I thought I'd just be really cruel and just make you play something that would traumatise you. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that massively. I, I I do have to admit my heart sank a little bit. When, when you <laughs> it. Um, I mean, I've, I've put it on my list. I, you know, I could have taken the easy way out and not put it on my list, I suppose, um, because I, stuff like this and amnesia that I, I you know I don't go near normally. Um, mm. um, Did you complete but, it? No, I have to admit I haven't. I but I I think I probably will go back and do it. I played it basically. I'll 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 go into it. But I played a bit when we first chose the games, and then I left it alone for a long time, um, and then came back to it not so long ago. And I'm kind of over my issues to, to a certain extent. But I'll 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 kind of go into that now. Um, yeah, I mean I've mentioned before on this podcast how badly certain types of of horror games can get to me, and it's it's fair to say that this, certainly at the outset this this was up there with them. Um, but I, at the outset, I thought I'd try and do it properly and, and started with good intentions. I kind of played it in the dead of night with with the lights off and headphones on. Oh, and um, when you first go to start a new game, a, a kind of big block of text comes on screen, which I'll just read the first part of. Um, Outlast contains intense violence, gore, graphic sexual content and strong language. Please enjoy. Uh, You're an investigative reporter whose ambition is about to earn him an intimate tour of hell on Earth. Just that text uh, and the dread I already had going into it was nearly enough for me to to turn it off. But I I kind of clicked through and watched the the opening cutscene, which is, you know, just a car hurtling along a, a country road and pulling up outside an asylum. It stops by a guard hut and a, and a barrier, and you kind of take control of the game. And basically, you are this 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 uh, journalist who's coming to investigate sort of odd goings on at this asylum. And it's obviously a, a kind of survival horror game. And um, I kind of searched around the guard hut. There was nothing too bad in there. 
um, and, and went through the barriers and into the courtyard. And I was just suddenly over, overcome with dread, just looking up at this asylum. And I, I just, I had, I turned it off. I it was ridiculous. Wow. Nothing had happened. Um, I'd lasted about two minutes. It's absolutely pathetic. And <laughs> I, I, I didn't go back to it for weeks. Now, part of that was because Destiny came out, and, and you and I both played a fair bit of that in, in the interim period. Um, but I'd be lying if it wasn't partly also to do with like a crippling fear of going back to it. But but I did I did eventually go back to it, and um, I mean my early impressions were it's a lot more linear than I was expecting. Um, you kind of, it, it's almost you know rather than too much of an interactive experience, kind of you know it's a bit of a cliche, but like a ghost train, you know, with the requisite jump scares along the way. Um, and and I didn't <laughs> I didn't enjoy that <laughs> by, by by any uh, stretch of the imagination purely because I am so easily scared. Um, but uh, I mean, eventually you get used to that, and you can kind of see where they're coming. I mean, there's a bit where you you walk past uh, walk past like a, an inmate who's kind of comatose in a wheelchair, and the first time you walk past him, it's absolutely fine. But the second time you go go past, he kind of jumps out at you, and I could kind of by that point I could see it coming and kind of predict some of those scares. Uh, so I kind I had kind of calmed down a bit by then. But eventually you come across kind of your your main adversary. So it's kind of huge brute. He'll do what he can to kind of track you down and ble- beat you into bloody pulp. Um, and what I didn't like about the the game is kind of the whole point of it is that you can't fight back. So it's kind of it turns into a protracted game of, of hide and seek during those those sections. And it reminded me of um, it's not the t- same type of game at all, but just that that um, element reminded me of Resident Evil Three Nemesis. I don't know if you you played it on the original PlayStation, but um in that game there's kind of a huge hulking enemy that, that shows up every now and again to kind of mess with you and there's nothing you can do until the very end of the game you just have to run away from it and um yeah i i, I pr- prefer being able to fight back i think yeah I, i've never played resident evil 3 but i think that guy was in resident evil 2 and um okay. yeah the, the, there's a bit when he comes through a wall and it's just like the, the yeah. scariest thing you can possibly imagine i mean it's like scarier than actually being in that situation it's just horrendous. Yeah. But I mean, if, if you said it's like um like a, a ghost train, I mean, it, it literally is in that you're sort of yeah running along in a straight line, vaulting over desks and stuff. Which now I say it isn't actually very much like a ghost train, but it's <laughs> in the sense that you're kind of running in a straight line, um, literally, yeah. and kind of you know it, 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 the the actual movement in the game is a bit like one of those. One of those sequences first-person shooters tend to have where you're carrying out some action in the world, like getting into a helicopter or climbing the side of a building or something. But just because of the way the game works, you, you, you're actually doing it in this, which is quite cool. I think the point you raised earlier about the, the text at the start sort of shitting you up a bit... Yeah. Was, um, it, it's interesting because preconceptions in this kind of game can, can be really frightening. I mean, I remember Gone Home, which isn't a horror game, and there's no kind of horror elements really. Just the start of that, where you you kind of start off in a in the foyer of a house in the driving rain, and you see yeah, yeah. your sister's left a note on the door, which in retrospect is completely innocuous, and I don't think it's meant to scare you. But just because of my preconceptions, because I thought this is a horror game, this is a horror situation, something weird and horrible has happened to her. Yeah. Just I remember reading that note and just being in a state of absolute terror to the point where you know i was creeping around the house kind of hugging the wall 
you know, in a game with no enemies and no way, of, you know, no way of dying. Yeah, it's um, that game's on my list of unplayed games, but I have I did play the first sort of five ten minutes when I first got it just to to give it a quick go. But um, very much the same as you. I, I had knew I liked the idea of the game as soon as I heard about it and, and read very little on purpose going in and, and had a very similar reaction to you kind of creeping around that house to start with. That's not why I put it down. It's, it's something I intend to go back to f- for sure. But, um, but yeah, similarly with, uh, I don't know if you've ever played Dear Esther. Yeah. Um, but similarly with that, like you explore a hut at the start and there's kind of lightning strikes outside and I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a similar type of game uh, where where it, it, it's just not. So, yeah, I think you've, you've got a really good point there about preconceptions for sure. But I mean, I think at the moment we're kind of in a. I don't know what format you're playing out last time, but I played on PS4, and there's kind of um, kind of a golden age of absolutely terrifying PS4 games at the moment. Yeah. So there's there's PT right at one end, and then there's yeah. Alien Isolation, which owes a lot to to Outlast. Um, and in a sense, it, it almost feels like a you know a kind of sci-fi remake in some respects, and then sort of quite a distant. Yeah. A distant third in terms of scariness, I think, is Outlast. Right. Just because right. I found it scary, but not that frightening. Whereas PT was... It's the only game I've actually ever screamed, oh, fuck, <laughs> at the top of my voice, and sort of spasmed and threw the controller across the room, and then have been unable to play it since. Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised to hear that I, I haven't uh, been brave enough to turn that on yet. I've installed it, and uh, yeah, not not just yet. Yeah, because I mean, that is incredibly successful at properly creeping you out. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make any sense. There are no rules. So you don't know okay, yeah. when something's going to jump out. There's no, there's no kind of game systems to, to get a grip on. Whereas I thought Outlast kind of... It's, it's a good game. I, I, it's not like I, I didn't enjoy it, but I thought it kind of shot its bolt a little bit early. Um, and sort of... You could see behind, you, you know, you could see the strings quite early on. I mean, you're talking about a bit yeah. where you walk down a corridor and see a guy in a wheelchair who, you know, terrifyingly, yeah. you know, says boo. Um, <laughs> I think in that bit, I, I realised I, I hadn't picked up an object or I wanted to see if there was something back down that room. And when you first run through, there's these inmates who are just kind of, you know, walking around, you know, shuffling, m- moaning, mumbling. Yeah. Um, and on the first run through, I thought, man, this is scary. And, it, you know, these guys could just, you know, go mad and start biting me at any second. Yeah. On the second time through, um, they're clearly just not moving. Mm. They've got no AI. They're just kind of repeating the same bits of animation. So at that point, it's like, well, OK, this is quite quite schematic. Um, I'm clearly safe in this bit. These guys aren't going to attack me. Mm. And so as the game goes on, I think I actually gave this to you as a tip for, you know, how to, you know, reduce the, the spine-chilling terror of the game to a point you can actually play it, by saying yeah. that you, you're actually safe 90% of the time. Yes. And so that's sort yeah. of almost a conservative estimate, just because there's not that many enemies. The ones that are there tend to wander around their little bits, their little kind of, you know, assigned zones. Mm. And if you run out of that bit, there's no way they can get you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And and this is part of what I was saying about how that kind of initial um, terror that I, that I experienced after going back to it, kind of realising in those sections where there's something after you, actually you can just run past it. It's not going to one-hit you. Mm. Um, 
and what like you say it's kind of seeing those strings and, and realizing actually you're not in as much danger as you thought um you know don't get me wrong it still affects me by the sound of it a lot more than it does you but um, yeah yeah i'm definitely coming to terms with it um a lot more now that i'm kind of bedded in a little bit and 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 used to what the game's throwing at me well this is it i mean i, I you know i wasn't sat there kind of you know flexing my muscles and laughing at how <laughs> unfrightening the game was because it, it, it still is quite intense i mean yeah. th- there's loads of bits when something's running after you and you're there's a door closing the distance or you're trying to get up a into an air vent or something with something right on your heels and that yeah. is almost always effective in terms of you know making you anxious you know even if you know that it's not going to get you it's still pretty it, it, it still gets a little heart going because i mean it, the thing about the game is i think that ironically i think it's probably more scary on the lower difficulties just because if you get caught and die after redo a section it's pretty pretty soon it stops being scary at all oh no 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 i i agree completely yeah i think um that whole trial of trial and error thing does kick in after a while and it 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 kind of almost becomes uh, a little a little boring rather than scary if you like you know it's you kind of see see what you need to do get it done and, and then you're on to the next section but but yeah uh, like i say it, it still creeps me out to a certain extent but it, it's by no means the same experience as i had going in that first time mm. it's interesting actually because i mentioned alien isolation before i, I don't know if you've played that i have i imagine no, probably yeah, not yeah. Because um, I mean that is almost a tribute to to Outlast, just in terms of the way the game works and the way you move around and stuff. Um, but the interesting thing is that it, it's nowhere near as schematic. It, it, it seems almost random in that the alien can just pop out at pretty much any time. Um, okay. There's almost no. I mean, there is a kind of logic behind it, but it, it's almost kind of horror movie logic, where rather yeah. than it's attacking you from where you think it's going to be. It comes from a completely different direction. And it, it seems almost random. Um, but that makes it a lot more frightening, I think, just because in Outlast you know you know exactly what you know, these chainsaw-wielding maniacs are going to do at any one given moment. And it's completely linear. Whereas in Alien Isolation you've just got you know, a kind of spaceship where you can go you know, point A to point B, point C to get a thing and come back. And the alien can just pretty much kill you at any time. So that is mind-bendingly scary. Yeah. Just because it, yeah. it, it's this constant sense of dread. But at the same time, like with Outlast, if you die too many times in a bit, it just stops being scary at all and just becomes annoying. Yeah. I, I take it in, in Alien Isolation, is it similar in that if the alien turns up, you've got nothing to, to fight back against, I assume? Yeah. I mean, you've got like... um. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about Alien Isolation, but it is quite clever in that you start off fighting against human opponents with with almost no weapons. You have to sort of attack them with a a spanner. And then you you get a revolver at one point, you think, nice one. And then from that point on until the point I'm up to, which is sort of about a third of the way through the game, there's no more human opponents and the gun is completely ineffective against everyone else you face. Right. Which is quite a neat way of sort of um, undermining and sort of throwing your yes. expectations off, or, or, you know, off track. But yeah, I mean, you have no weapons that affect the alien in any way. It is just a force of nature. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, I, I do think that maybe that was my main issue with the game, is I I, I prefer 
horror games where I, I've got a, a chance of fighting back at something. You know, I can think of a number of kind of similarly grim games in their own respects where I was happy to sort of see them through to the end because I was at least able to kind of flail around while while screaming. <laughs> um, you know, like Dead Space and, and Silent Hill 2 uh, kind of spring to mind. Um, they, they, I mean, they were both terrifying to me for, for different reasons. And, you know, it's hard to say I enjoyed them in the traditional sense of the word, but I do look back <laughs> on those games fondly. Yeah. Well, I think the thing about Dead Space is that, it, you know, you can kill almost anything you come across. So yeah. there's kind of the fear of something jumping out and, you know, again, going boo. But you will be able to kill that thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. again, it's it doesn't have the feeling of kind of despair to a certain extent that Alien certainly has. An outlast house to a certain to a certain extent. So when you, even if you know what's happening, there'll be a bit when you get cornered, or you're in a locker and it rip, you know one of the baddies rips you out, and you know you get that kind of I'm fucked feeling, and it's just <laughs> absolute despair. Yeah. Whereas even in Silent Hill Two, you know you could, apart from the pyramid head stuff, you could kind of you know kick the weird things to death or something, or hit them with a with a plank. Well, actually, there's an interesting sorry. There's an interesting thing in one of the later Dead Space games, where which is one of the only truly scary bits from any of those games after Dead Space One, I think. Where you know those regenerator things that you can't kill. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's just a bit when you go into a room and there's about ten of them, but they're all kind of strapped into these cases, and you have to walk through between all of them with them kind of screeching and reaching out for you with tentacles, <laughs> and that is really scary. And they they never actually jump out. Spoilers. But um, it's absolutely mind-bendingly scary just because you don't know what's going to happen. And it's sort of messing with you mentally, whereas I don't don't think Outlast ever really kind of tries to fuck with you. It's always kind of on the level in terms of... the The rules are always there for each bit. Yeah, yeah. What I did think was really effective in in Outlast is... I I didn't mention yet is you're you're carrying this camcorder around with you, um, ostensibly to to try and capture any of the weird goings on. But it's it becomes essential when you know there are obviously areas of complete darkness and you can turn on kind of the light of the camcorder to to see where you're going, mm. and that just multiplies the tension. You know it's 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 incredibly effective, although you're also reliant on the battery power and and I don't know about you, but I never seem to be anywhere near. Uh, like I say, I'm, I'm not anywhere near the end, I don't think, but I, I've never been short of batteries. Um, I, I've mentioned before on this podcast, I'm, I'm one of the idiots who like, who actually enjoys sort of collectibles and things. <laughs> um, but not so much in this game, because I always wanted to get through it without kind of <laughs> searching anywhere I, did, I didn't need to. Um, but even even trying to take the, the path of least, least resistance, I was I was picking up quite a few batteries along the way. So yeah. they, could have, they, could, they could have ratcheted the tension a little more, maybe. I think that would be very difficult to kind of balance though, just mm. because if you, if you run out of batteries, basically you're knackered. There's, yes. there's almost nothing you can do. Because, I mean, yeah. the night vision on the thing has a range of about, like, six inches with no batteries. Yeah. So it would be very hard to get through. So I guess they sort of have to give you just enough to to guarantee even the sort of... You know, even people who don't look very hard for batteries, for, yeah. for them to get through. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, one thing I did find odd is, you know, I mentioned with the camcorder that the, along the way you can try and film anything odd and it kind of triggers documents opening up in the inventory to, to open up the backstory. But I, I kind of dutifully whipped out the, the, the camcorder when I first came across the first room where 
yeah, there's about a dozen hanging corpses and, and decapitated bodies, and kind of <laughs> none of it was deemed creepy enough to elicit one of, the, one of these kind of notes showing up in the adventure. I was like, yeah, that doesn't bode well for what I'm about to see, probably. You, just, you get your camera out saying, oh, look, you know, decapitated bodies have been gutted. I should probably video this in case I forget it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And it, I mean, when you analyse it like that, you know, the, that first room, there's no way anyone's sticking around, you wouldn't imagine, but. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's a video game for you, isn't it? Exactly. You, uh, you know, the, the gates are shut. I think I would have a crack at climbing over those gates. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Maybe yeah, ram them in my car. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's true, though. It's a strange, slightly strange mechanic where you can look through the video camera at everything or you can not look through the video camera. Yeah. And there's a dedicated button for, for put it, you know, getting out and putting it away. Yeah. Um, it just seems like a slightly. There's no real reason to play without looking through the camera, and if you don't like the film grain, grain effects. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. One thing that did, um, I suppose, it wasn't developed by Monolith, to be honest. Okay. It really feels like one of their games. Kind of the, the kind of black humour and the the horror elements, yeah. and the kind of the really the weighty first person movements, where it really reminded me of Condemned. And uh, Fear Two, yes. two two of my favourite games. Um, but yeah, no, developed by uh, Red Barrels, who I think are ex Naughty Dog people. Oh, is that right? I didn't realise that. Yeah, I think. Well, I think there's a few people from different developers. But yeah, there's no one from Monolith apparently. Okay. I'm really surprised yeah. by. Yeah, Con- Condemned is another one that I have. I've only played about half an hour of, and, and intend to go back <laughs> to it at some point. But. Um, uh, again, I think I was probably got quite shit up by the first few few minutes of that, and uh, I remember the the combat in that being particularly brutal, kind of yeah. hitting people in the face with a wrench. Yeah, no, no, Condemned a fantastic game, and again, genuinely really scary. Just because I think in a lot of games you're fighting against kind of Nazis or aliens, it doesn't quite seem real. Whereas in this, yeah. you're kind of in a tube station fighting against crackheads, and you think, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this could sort of could happen to me potentially. Probably not, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, against my best judgment, I do think I probably will try and finish Outlast because I, I think it's. I'm starting like as you put it so well. I'm starting to see the strings a little now, and and um, I, I think I can probably get through it. But uh, I won't. I won't particularly enjoy it. I, I think the, the thing is, the further you get into it, ironically, the less scary it is, and not just because you're learning the systems. I think just in terms of the game changes quite a lot towards the end. Okay. I don't want to give away too much. Actually, I don't want to give away anything, because I'll just okay. ruin it for you. But, um, yeah, the end is not particularly horror-focused. That's good to know. Yeah. It, it, it's all, yeah, the, the Mirror's Edge stuff comes a bit more to the, more to the fore. Okay, yeah. And yeah. It, it, to be honest, it gets a bit silly towards the end. Right. Um, it, again, the kind of Condemned 2 style, not quite as like off completely bonkers where you're... You're fighting the ABC warriors on a boat with like a magnetic crossbow, <laughs> and then a magician. To, yeah, absolutely crazy game. It's, it's nowhere near as like just nuts as that, but it, it does go um, move well away from the kind of creepy horror movie stuff. Although, depending on how far you are, there is one bit that will just it will turn your piss black. <laughs> well, there's a recommendation. Yeah. If, ever, if ever I've heard one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know if. You, yeah, just thinking about it, I'm you know I'm sweating quite profusely. <laughs> oh well, I, I might 
crank it up straight after this then. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, one thing I was going to say, um, I, I, I tried to look at some videos of this game on YouTube just to kind of remind me of what's in it because it has been a while since I've played it. Yeah. But as far as I can tell, there are no videos on YouTube that aren't, there are, are just of the game and aren't of some goon just screaming at the top of their voice. Yeah, I knew what you were going to say there, yeah. It's just a kind of PewDiePie element. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. But I mean, there seems to be like a whole genre just of people watching Outlast and screeching. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like an old man saying this, but, you know, God helps if there's a war, if that's what the youth of today are into. Like, yeah, um, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. There is some DLC for for Outlast. Oh yeah, have you played that? It's the whistleblower. Yeah, it's called, isn't it? I, I've played about the first ten minutes and never gone back to it, just yeah. because it, it is basically just Outlast, just deeper dungeons. There's right. um, there was a bit when I was just running around a room with a guy with a, a a kind of circular saw chasing me, trying to find a switch. And it, it, it just got a bit Benny Hill after a bit, just because I, I completed Outlast 1. Yeah. I died a few times in this bit, and it was literally this guy following me around while I scanned a room for a switch. It's a bit unfair. I should, I should probably go back to it, because it, it has been quite well received. Um, and yeah. apparently has a much better ending than Outlast. So okay. I should go back to it. Um, but I haven't. I've still got um, Alien Isolation to kind of grit my teeth and make my way through. Yeah. It'll be interesting to hear... If that that kind of keeps up uh, the tension as you go through, uh, I think it should. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know anything about it apart. I've deliberately tried to avoid reading stuff about it. Yeah, um, and it is very difficult. So I'm making a very slow process, but progress. But you know, if, if you liked Outlast and wanted something even more frightening, and without even the kind of the life raft of kind of predictability and linearity mm. that uh, Outlast throws to you. And want something that just terrifies you beyond reason. Um, definitely play Alien Isolation. That sounds right up my street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, that's I guess that's it for for this week's games. Then, um, have you had a chance to to look at my list again and pick something out for me? Well, having looked through your list, I was going to choose Oddworld: Strangers' Wrath, just okay. because it's a fantastic game. Kind of slightly interesting story behind it, just because it was developed by Oddworld Inhabitants and compl- supposedly completely screwed over by EA, failing to market it. Um, okay, yeah. And it's a, a truly excellent, massively original game. And it's okay. relatively short too. Okay, fantastic. I will. Uh, I'll give it a whirl. I've gone for something short for you as well. Um, I, I got for Thomas was alone. Oh, okay. Do you know much about it? Um, yeah, a little bit. It's kind of a platform game starring some shapes with the voice of Danny <laughs> Wallace. Yeah, it's a winner. Yeah, it's a kind of <laughs> game that I probably wouldn't have played or even bothered to look at had um, it not got good reviews and people talking about it continually. Yeah. Um, and the direct the the developer seems like a, a good source. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I kind of got the feeling it, it, from from comments you you had made previously that it's probably not normally your sort of game. Um, so I thought, you know, yeah, I, I basically only like games where you kill things. <laughs> so um, or drive cars. You okay. know, I, I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm quite Catholic in my tastes, but it, it, <laughs> if I can expand that to a load of shapes jumping around the screen, then great. 
<laughs> okay, well, well, hopefully it's not too disappointing for you. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I won't say too much about how how I uh, how I found it. Perhaps we can discuss it next time. But um, okay, well, um, that that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, thanks ever so much to, to Chris for joining me and uh, thanks to any of you there listening as always uh, we're still finding our feet to a certain extent with the podcast so any feedback is, is always welcome if you want to do that and get in touch then you can tweet at, uh, at catchuppod um, but that's it for now see you next time bye bye goodbye <laughs>